0: A reading this morning is taken from James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says.
1: There's a line in Dale Carnegie's popular best-selling book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that says you can make more friends in two weeks by becoming a good listener than you can in two years trying to get other people interested in you. So listening can win you friends. That is one of the many benefits of listening, and we're going to talk about some of the others here this morning. Listening is a theme for the month, but it's actually a bit bigger than that. Every year, the leadership of our church Makes decisions around and makes a priority of a specific theme. And last summer, as I was kind of prayerfully thinking about what it was that was going to be important for our church this coming year, uh, the word listening just popped into my mind and I thought, okay, that's it. Listening, listening. Uh, but what does that mean? What is that going to look like? Uh, so I wrote a little paragraph last summer that I thought uh, would kind of chart the course for the way that we can make a special focus on listening as a community in 2017 and 18. Genuine discernment requires genuine listening, so we will position ourselves to listen well during this next season of life and ministry. We will listen to one another, sharing our diverse life experiences. We will listen to our broader community, growing in our understanding of the needs around us. And we will listen to the Holy Spirit, expecting to hear and receive guidance, both individually and corporately. And so the staff and steering committee have been kind of mulling over this theme a little bit, and we've actually started into a few examples of how we can listen well this year. Our pastoral care team in the fall met to talk about uh, active listening and how we can broaden the number of ears that are available to listen to the needs of our church community. Uh, we did a church survey later in the fall in which we had 190 people responding. That's a lot of listening to be doing. And so we've got a team right now of four people who are going through all of that data. And they're going to be crunching it and sharing it with our steering committee. And by time we get to our annual meeting in the spring, they'll be able to share what they have heard from the community uh, this weekend's winter retreat. The theme is listening. We're going to be setting time aside to listen to how God might be speaking to us, and we're going to be listening in the area of decisions that need to be made for our church. One of them is in your program uh, about a meeting we're going to have next week about the future of engaging the students in our not only in our elevation community but in our broader community. We live in a in a city that has a lot of students here. How can how is God calling us to connect with those students? And so a lot of different opportunities for us to listen to what another. To God, to our neighbors. Many of us have lost the art of listening, though. We might get a passing grade from our family doctor when it comes to our hearing, but listening is another thing altogether. And so James presents a challenge to us. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Of course, the reason that James writes this is that he knows our tendency is to do just the opposite. Our tendency is to be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. Now, two quick words about James' note here. He addresses this to everyone. So this doesn't mean some people or the really spiritually elite among you. It means everyone. So what we're talking about this morning, this challenge applies to all of us. And then this word should, which indicates it's going to be a challenge. He doesn't say you must do this because he knows you're going to fail and he knows it's going to be a struggle, but he doesn't say everyone could do this because it's not really optional either. This is something that we've got to focus on and we've got to get right over the long run of our lives. And so, as we kick off a new year, a new series, let's explore how we can accomplish the great reversal that James invites us to. We're challenged to be slow to speak. And the reason is that our tendency is to be quick to speak. Now, of course, these are generalizations, but they are generally true about people. And these things are definitely true about me. I feel like I've got a lot of authority to speak on these things because I am most certainly uh, slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. I'm getting better at it, I think, over time. um, But these are things that I certainly find challenging. And so hopefully you can identify with me a little bit. Stephen Covey, in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, writes, If I were to summarize in one sentence the single most important principle that I have learned in the field of interpersonal relations, it would be seek first to understand, then to be understood. The single most important thing that he has learned in all of his research is that we need to listen to other people Before we try to get them to listen to us, now picture yourself in a conversation about something that matters to you. Maybe it's politics, maybe it's theology, maybe it's something that's going on in our community, something that would be challenging, and someone says something that you don't agree with, or something that's different than how you feel or what you believe about this theme. How do you respond? Do you find yourself slow to speak? Or do you find, more likely, that you quickly jump in, that you quickly add your opinion into that conversation? Dallas Willard once wrote that being right is one of the hardest burdens human beings have to bear, and few succeed in bearing up under it gracefully. It's a hard thing to be right, because when you know you're right, you just want to say it. And when you say it, it causes problems. It's like this sign I found. I'd agree with you, but then we both be wrong. Right? It's hard for us to keep our mouths shut. But a number of years ago, I found myself getting in a lot of these kind of debate kind of conversations where things would get heated and, and opinions would be shared. And I had this, this perspective that I was like, I, have to, I just have to speak. I've, I've got to correct these people. I've got to let them know the truth. I've got to be right. And, and I remember just getting tired of it. And I said to myself, I said, okay, here's the deal. If I'm ever going to be slow to speak... I've got to give myself permission to be wrong. And this was, this was like monumental for me because I had this idea that in every conversation I was in, I needed to make sure that, that people knew what I believed and they knew where I stood. And I got to a place where I said, I'm just going to stop doing that. And someone will argue something and, and I will have something that I want to argue back and I'll just not say it. And it was actually incredibly freeing. And I'm not saying that I certainly never share that opinion, but there are many times where I'm willing to say, I will just keep my mouth shut because I don't have to be right. I don't have to have my opinion on the floor in this conversation. As part of the discipline of learning to become slow to speak. If we have any hope of genuinely listening to others, we have to be slow to speak because if we're quick to speak, if we're always talking, then chances are we're not giving other people the chance to speak at all. There's this great passage from Ecclesiastes, a book in the Old Testament, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, and you are on earth, so let your words be few. It's this great image. We, we go and we've always got something good to say, and the, and the author of Ecclesiastes is like, just stop talking. Just listen. And what a great way to think about our words, not only when we come to offer something to God, but all of our words. The sacrifice of fools. We think what we're saying is brilliant. We think what we're saying is profound and necessary, but the Bible says that sometimes it's more like a sacrifice of fools. And then James ups the ante, but he con- by connecting this to our relationships with one another. It's not only in our conversation with God that we need to be cautious and become slow to speak, but in our relationships with one another. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Now, the word religion itself has kind of become negative in church circles in the last couple of decades, so I'm going to actually just change the wording a little bit so you don't feel like you get off the hook here. Those who consider themselves faithful and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their faith is worthless. That's what he's getting at here. Not being able to control our tongues, it does a lot of damage to our faith. The relationship habits, destroying habits of gossip and slander, for example, are most often a result of quick speaking. We hear some news and we quickly respond, and it ends up being talking about someone behind their back or saying something negative about someone. This is what happens when we're quick to speak. But if we hesitate, if we slow down, we might just be able to abstain and avoid the harm that's caused by gossip and slander. We need to consider the weight of our words. We need to consider how our negative words can affect people but we also need to consider how our positive words can affect people. And if we're quick to speak in every conversation we're in, the chances are the words we're speaking aren't actually that deep. They're just surface words. And so they're probably not actually having a very positive effect in the people we're talking with. But if we can slow slow it down, wait before we speak, we'll actually be able to say something more encouraging to the people around us. As the poet Hafiz wrote, I am a hole in a flute that the Christ's breath moves through. Listen to this music." We're only able to to think about ourselves that way if we slow ourselves down. So James also encourages us to be quick to listen, and of course he does that because our tendency is to be slow to listen. In the words of one author, most people don't realize that there is more than one kind of listening, just as they don't realize there is more than one kind of woman. There is a lot of different versions of listening. And when you say, I'm listening to you, what do you mean when you say listening? Listening. Because of our preference for hearing ourselves talk, we fail to listen well to others. I'm going to take a look at a clip that illustrates what it can be like when two partners in a conversation are doing a bad job listening to each other. Take a look.
0: First there was PlayStation, a.k.a. PS1. Then there's PS2, PS3, and now PS4. And that makes sense. You'd think after Xbox, there'd be Xbox 2. But no. Next came Xbox 360 hmm? And now, after 360 Comes Xbox One Why one? Maybe that's how many seconds of thought They put into naming it Can you get the butter, please? Yeah. You know, however, with the Xbox One I can control my entire Entertainment system using voice commands Up until now, I've had to use Leonard Then get the other one Pass the butter Get. Hang on I don't feel like you're taking this dilemma seriously. Fine, Sheldon. You have my undivided attention. Okay, now, the PS4 is more angular and sleek-looking. No way! You, it, it's true, but the larger size of the Xbox One may keep it from overheating. Well, You wouldn't want your gaming system to overheat. No, see, well, you absolutely would not. And furthermore, the Xbox One now comes with a Kinect included. Included? Yes! Yeah. Not sold separately you, Although the PS4 uses cool new GDDR5 RAM While the Xbox One is still using the conventional DDR3 memory Why would they still be using DDR3? Are they nuts? <laughs> See, that's what I thought But then they go and throw in an ES RAM buffer Wait, wait, wait a second. Who's they? The Xbox You're kidding! No, I am not! And this ES RAM buffer should totally bridge the 100 gigabit per second bandwidth gap between the two RAM types. This is a nightmare. How will you ever make a decision? You see, I don't know. What should I do? Please pass the butter.
1: Alright, so a great example of what happens when we are slow to listen to the people around us. An extreme example, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. There's this great line by Edgar Watson Howe. He says, no man would listen to you talk if he didn't know it was his turn next. And don't you feel like that sometimes? Like on both sides of it, sometimes you're like, this person is not listening to a word I say. And there are other times where you catch yourself, I am not listening to a word this person is saying. Like, it's just about waiting for yourself to have that opportunity. And then we end up talking past each other, and we don't actually listen to what each other are saying. As in this little kind of example from the sitcom, it's just like they're talking, but none of, them eat, none of them care about what the other person is saying. So when our pastoral care team got together in the fall and we were talking about listening, uh, Mary Ween shared with us uh, five examples of, of bad listening. And she talked about the advice giver, the person who when you hear someone talking to you, you immediately solve their problem. Well, that's simple. You just need to do this and then that, and then these problems will be solved. You like that person? Do you like that kind of listener? Or how about the interrupter, the person who always has something else? Oh, that reminds me. And they, they've got something else they want to say. Or how about the reassurer? The person who just says, well, everything's going to be fine. You see, you pour out your heart to them, and they're like, everything's going to be fine. Don't you worry about it. Or how about the rationalizer? Well, I think the reason that this is happening is clearly because of this and because of that and because of this and because of that. Or the deflector, the person who says, just takes it off on a totally different tangent, as if you haven't shared something that matters to you at all. There are all kinds of different examples of how we can do a poor job listening to people. Being quick to listen requires us to listen well to listen actively and attentively. Watchman Nee, a Christian writer, says that if a Christian in need turns to a servant of the Lord for help, as that one listens to his brother's story, he should be able to discern three different kinds of speech. The words he is uttering, the words he is holding, and the words he cannot utter that lie in the depths of his spirit. This is such a profound thought and as I read this, I think about how deep our listening needs to be in order to hear all of those things, to actually hear what the other person is saying to us, and then to know what else they want to say, and, and how, how can we respond in a way that will get them to say what, what else they want to talk about, but then paying close enough attention and caring enough about the conversation that we can actually sense the thing that they don't want to talk about, but that they might need to. But if we're quick to listen, we might just hear them and be in a position to help. So listening well can open a door for us to respond with love to what we've heard, but it can also benefit ourselves as our own understanding deepens. It can be a benefit for others, certainly, but for ourselves as well. Being quick to listen opens us up to the wisdom and the experiences of others, specifically when the people we are listening to think or believe or act differently than we do. People who are different than us can actually teach us a lot. And so back in the fall, I mentioned this in the context of a sermon that one of the challenges I wanted to put out there for us was, was to find a couple of people in our church community who think or believe or act differently than you and engage in intentional conversation with them. Go out for coffee, have them over to your house, stick around for a while after a Sunday morning service and engage in a conversation with someone that you find thinks differently than you. To learn from them. To open up your mind a little bit. And so I want to remind you of that challenge now and put it out there again for those who might have missed it in the fall. To be intentional about this. Find a couple of people. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know, how am I going to find people? How am I going to know what people believe differently? Well, I'm going to help you out with this. In the beginning of February, we're going to do a short series that I'm going to call Sex And we're going to talk about sex for a couple of weeks. Part one is going to be about the saturation of sexuality in our culture. And we're going to talk about how our culture approaches sexuality and how, what the Scriptures have to say about it and what the church, how the Church is interacting with sexuality in our culture. And then part three, we're going to talk about the Church and same-gender attraction. And we're going to talk about one of these hot-button topics, perhaps the hottest button of all in our culture, the intersection of homosexuality and, and Scripture and the Church and, and how we navigate all of this. And you might have noticed that I skipped right from part one to part three, and that's because I want to acknowledge that there's no way we can talk about all this stuff just in the context of a Sunday morning. And so we're going to create other avenues for dialogue as well, outside of Sunday mornings, where we'll create safe spaces for us to learn together, to raise our collective IQ about these difficult conversations, to dive deep into what Scripture says, to really think about the issues at hand, to listen to the stories of people who believe differently and live differently than us. Once we get this underway, I don't expect you'll have any difficulty at all finding opportunities for those one-on-one conversations, to say the least. So we can look forward to that in February. More info to follow. Adam Kahane said that the root of not listening is knowing. If I already know the truth, why do I need to listen to you? Being an expert is a severe impediment to listening and learning. Isn't that beautiful? If we think we've got something figured out, then why would we bother listening to someone else? If we already know the answer or the truth, then why bother listening to what someone else has to say about it? So having a little humility can help us go a long way. Listening won't always lead to agreement. That's not the point. The point is not that if we all listen to each other, we'll all think the same way. That's not going to happen. But it will almost always lead to learning. We will almost always learn something significant when we stop and listen to people in our lives. The Proverbs are chock full of verses that challenge us to listen. I just pulled a couple of them out, but they are all over the place in Proverbs. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Or Proverbs 1.8, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. There's lots of verses like this encouraging the young to listen to the old. It reminds me of this great Mark Twain quote, possibly my favorite. He says, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Now anyone under the age of 21 doesn't get that joke, and everyone over the age of 21 does. But here's the interesting thing. I could throw this for a total loop. What if it wasn't just the young, younger generation that needs to listen to the old generation? What if the older generations actually need to listen to the younger ones too? Oh, maybe that's what you could do this term. Maybe you could find someone younger than you and listen to their advice on a topic. <sighs> Mind-blowing, isn't it? So listening well, and the learning that goes along with it is a mark of maturity in life, but the same is true when it comes to the maturity of our faith. Being able to listen, being quick to listen, is a mark of maturity. And then finally, James gets around to this idea that we should be slow to become angry, and of course he says this because our tendency is to become quick to become angry. I've heard it said that some married couples struggle with this. I don't know from experience, of course. Most of my marriage is harmonious, and we would never fight or argue about anything. I found this meme. I think this one's good. Uh, My wife has an odd way of starting conversations. She always begins by saying, hey, have you been listening? (laughs) Oh gosh, that is so good. But of course, we're not just talking about couples. Engaging in meaningful conversation is risky for anyone who dares to engage in one. Who among us can't recall a conversation that got heated? Maybe between uh, friends. You know, you're in school and your friends get into a little spatter. Or maybe it's at a workplace, or maybe it's at a family gathering. Who can't recall the conversation where tempers flared? Where harsh words were spoken? Where people were hurt? And possibly even where relationships were broken? Talking to each other, in one sense, is the easiest thing in the world. You just kind of open your mouth and words start coming out. But it's also one of the most difficult things to do. Because if we're quick to speak and slow to listen, then we have a tendency to become quick to become angry. Peter Senge writes, we are unable to talk productively about complex issues because we are unable to listen. And when we don't really listen, and when our focus is just on speaking, we're bound to create conflict in those relationships. And anger is just around the corner. I'll give you a warning about our conversations that we're going to get started in February. You will probably experience anger. I can almost guarantee you that someone is going to say something that is going to make you angry. Pretty much guarantee it. But what if we could slow down our response of anger, right? Because James doesn't say, you know, be quick to listen and slow to speak and don't become angry. He says, be slow to become angry. Because anger is a normal human emotion. We are going to experience it. But what if we could slow the process down a little bit? No, I didn't need to do any research to give some examples of how to do this, because I have had plenty of experience in my own life with this. So I was thinking, okay, well, how do I respond to these kinds of things? What, what kinds of things do I try to do? When I think about being slow to speak, I think about breathing in a conversation. Sometimes you just need to, just to breathe deeply. And just by doing that, it, it creates a little bit of space for you to think before you speak. Or maybe the practical thing is to just hold on to what you want to say. This is a great discipline. When you're in an argument with someone and you've got what you think is like the nail on the coffin point, don't say it. Just hang on to it. See what happens to that relationship if you refuse to throw the next punch. Just slow down your speaking. Paul writes in Colossians 4, 6, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. That's how we should think about our conversations with people, especially over things that matter. How can we be quick to listen? Seek clarity. If someone says something that seems off the wall to you, don't just disagree with it or shoot it down, but ask a question about it. Tell me more. Why do you think that way? Why do you respond in that way? Ask questions, seek clarity, dig a little deeper. And here's another one that is, that, that is going to be a challenge. Assume the best about the other person and not the worst. Because when you get into that heated conversation, you kind of sometimes begin to, to build this characterization of this other person as, as, a, as a bad person or they have wrong motives or they somehow aren't as committed or whatever it is aren't as intelligent, whatever the moniker you might want to put on them. But what if you assume the best about the other person instead of assuming the worst about them? How do you slow down the process of anger? Well, you might need to just ask for some time or create some space. Maybe if the conversation starts going in that way to say something like, this is a really meaningful conversation but I'm, I'm telling you right now that I'm not actually in a good space to have this conversation, so could we talk about it tomorrow? Or this is a really great conversation. I'm feeling like i got to rush, so instead of just throwing some quick thought in there, maybe we could get together for coffee next week and talk about this so we can engage it really well. Create some space. Maybe it's just 15 minutes. Maybe it's a week. Whatever it is, we create some space to let the anger simmer down a little bit. And maybe you need to talk to someone else in confidence, not in a gossip way, not in a slander way, but in a relationship-building way, where you sit down with someone and say, someone who's not connected with this conversation, say, I need someone else to help me process this. I need someone from the outside to help me do this so I can allow my temperature to come down a little bit, so I can engage this conversation and this relationship in a healthier way. James goes on to explain the reason that we should be slow to become angry. He says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God has something in store for us. He has a life that he desires for us to live, and it does not involve conversations and relationships that devolve to, that devolve to anger and resentment and pain. The reason that James challenges us to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to become angry it's because when we do those things, we become the people that God longs for us to be. We reflect His image in our relationships with one another in our conversations. God has more in store for us than our quick-to-anger responses allow for. So I'll close with a thought from Frederick Buechner. Reflecting on the Genesis account of creation, he writes, it was by speaking His creative word into the primordial darkness that God on the first day brought forth light. And it is by speaking and listening to each other that out of the darkness of our separate mysteries is brought to light the truth of who we are. There's so much value in speaking and listening, but it takes practice, and it takes intentionality, and it takes a commitment. And that's one of the primary reasons that every Sunday I say what I'm going to say now which is I'm going to wrap up this portion of our service and we're going to invite you to make your way through the lobby and sit down at a table in the gym with a bunch of people that you don't know and listen and speak. And this morning it'll be awkward because everyone's going to be so slow to speak and so quick to listen that no one will say anything. It'll just be silent. But maybe we can just start practicing it right now. And hopefully, the reverberations will carry on throughout the week. So that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to close with a word of prayer before we head over. God, we are grateful that when we open the Bible, it's not just a bunch of obvious things to us. It's not just a bunch of easy things that we're like, okay, obviously, yes, I do that already. But we find things in here, like this passage from James, that challenge us and that help to shape and form us to become the kinds of people that actually even we want to be the people that you want us to be, but even the people that we want to become. And so I ask that your Spirit would help us now to become slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. Help and guide us in this. Help us to see fruit and results from our practice in the weeks and months to come. And be with us now as we gather around tables in Christ's name. Amen.